and good morning. My name is Rob Daniels, and welcome to Visions in Sound. Now, for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions in Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week right here on 98.5 CKWR. Well, here we are, show number six of 2023 and show number 1,164, if you're keeping track that way. This week, we continue into the new year with a look at the 30th anniversary of Star Trek, Deep Space Nine. Now, it's no secret that Star Trek is a juggernaut of pop culture. Any series that can survive the Star Trek V and still come back is amazing. Well, joining me on the show this week is my guest, Trexpert. Bob, you haven't been on the show for a while, so it's nice to see you again. Welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Great. So, this all being said, and it would surprise you to know that despite the popularity of the return of the Star Trek Next Generation, there was a backlash in those early seasons of that series. Uh, there are many articles about this, but I'll quote from comicbook.com, an article from 2019, and I quote, Star Trek The Next Generation is one of the most important, and yes, I know we're talking about Deep Space Nine, but I'm bringing, uh, I'll get to this. Star Trek The Next Generation is one of the most important works of sci-fi television ever. It's successfully made its flagship of the reborn Star Trek franchise in the 1990s, but it wasn't always the case. There are plenty of fans of Star Trek, the original series, who felt the very idea of Star Trek, the next generation, was offensive, despite Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry's involvement with the series. The next generation has earned its place in pop culture history, which has erased a lot of negativity from the collective cultural memory. But Marina Sirtis, who played Counselor Deanna Troy hasn't forgotten. Sirtis was a guest on Graham Norton's BBC radio show. During the episode, she recalled the hate she and the rest of the cast got from the fans early on in the show's life. The fans, and I'm quoting Marina Sirtis here, the fans hated the fact that we were on. She says, I mean, people assume that we became so successful that was always the way. But no, I would go to conventions and there would be like 30 people They'd all be sitting with their arms crossed going, how dare you take the place of our heroes? So we had a ch we really had to win our audience. Now, some might draw comparisons between the early reactions of the next generation to early reactions of the debut of Star Trek Discovery. As the, the next generation, many, many fans assumed the new flagship show reborn Star Trek franchise would somehow trample over everything that came before it without due reverence. It would be not would not be rather real Star Trek. After two seasons, Discovery has won over many fans. Although I will kind of say maybe on that one, becoming one of the most streamed television shows in the world. So why am I talking about Deeps or Next Generation and not Deep Space Nine? I think it requires context. Deep Space Nine hit a similar backlash when it started. It seems each new series has hit a period of backlash for different and, in the end, stupid reasons. Now, for those that don't know, set on a space station rather than a starship, Star Trek Deep Space Nine featured Star Trek Universe's first 
African-American Captain Benjamin Sisko as the central character played by Avery Brooks. Perhaps most importantly in terms of DS9's legacy, the show was serialized rather than episodic, meaning it had a long, slow, unfolding story arc rather than a series of a simple rather than simply rather a series of self-contained stories. DS9 was also called out for being a copy of Babylon 5, but that's another controversy for another time. Now there was a time that I watched television like this. I would watch the premiere and a couple of episodes of the first season, and then I would stop. With DS9, I picked it up, back up rather, in the second season and would go from there. I'd catch an episode here and there, but it would not watch it regularly. To this day, I don't know the full reason why. Bob, how would how was, was your reaction back in 1993 of Deep Space well, Nine. I, I mean, I got to admit, I, I did love it from the get-go my, myself, and I, I, I watched it every week. Although I do remember the uh, uh, the the backlash towards it that was even within my own family, where uh, instead of Deep Space Nine, they were calling it Deep Something Else Nine. Hmm. And it was shortly after I was hearing those uh, that particular moniker for it that even the backlash I found out from an article uh, went as far as the next generation uh, cast. Oh, because Jonathan Frakes was on record as calling it Deep <clears throat> Nine. Oh, okay. That's 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 something I was not aware of. Although that was very early in the first season, so obviously he changed his mind. Obviously. But, well, I mean, hey, he's even <laughs> on the show. Yes. All right. Well, for me, the the show, like I said, I'm, and I, I, it's funny. I'm funny when I watch mm. TV series. I get, um, I watch the first couple of, like I said, I watch the first couple of episodes, and then I. Lose, lose thing. I mean, it happened with, it happened with Next Gen. It happened with Deep Space Nine. Mm. It happened with Voyager. It happened with Battlestar Galactica. It happened with mm. Babylon Five. I, for some reason, I would just lose interest, and then suddenly something awesome would happen, and I'd go, "What did I miss?" So I'd have I to watch have to all the up. all yeah. the episodes back. So for me, the 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 show was, um, something that I had basically had to play catch up on in some cases. Mm. Now, however. I believe, in the end, DS9 has become a respected series. It very much so. Now, the music for DS9, as with most Star Trek series, is what has continued to be consistently great. Now, first up on this week's show is music from the January 3rd epi- premiere episode, The Emissary. This music is by Dennis McCarthy. Now, McCarthy had proven himself with Star Trek The Next Generation. A lot of people may not know this, that McCarthy had actually written a theme for The Next Generation, and you can hear it on the Encounter, encounter at Farpoint um, release on GNP Crescendo. It's very close to what Jerry Goldsmith did but not quite. Now, Roddenberry loved the motion picture theme, so it was eventually used for Star Trek The Next Generation. 
DS9, however, was new ground, and McCarthy's theme was perfect for the series. The opening trumpets make the station feel like a lonely outpost in the middle of nowhere. Now, this would eventually change, of course, but it was that early theme that I think established the true sound of the show. Now, the score here that we'll be listening to was originally released on the GNP Crescendo Records label. So here is some music from the premiere episode of Deep Space Nine, The Emissary, with music by Dennis McCarthy.
little bit of music from the episode The Emissary. We'll get back to that in just a second. If you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. And you can also find me on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type devices. And you can also find me on applemusic.com. So there's a little extra something here. The Kissinger Waterloo Symphony Orchestra is presenting the spellbinding performance of the magical world of Harry Potter, a varied selection of from the legendary John Williams music that brought all eight films to life. February 17th and 18th at 8 p.m. for tickets. Visit, visit kwsymphony.com. C-A. So welcome back to Visions and Sound. And Bob, I hear that you had some sort of trivia question or trivia that you had for us. Well, well, because, uh, as you know, with Emissary, it starts with a recap or, 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 or a representation, shall we say, of a particular seminal battle where, where the Borg are about to invade Earth. And... That battle is the Battle of Wolf 359. Okay. Well, we're, uh, a, a quick Google search, and you'll find out that Wolf 359 is an actual star 7.9 light years from Earth. It's a red dwarf, and there's only something like three or four stars that are closer to Earth than that. Okay. And because of its proximity... To Earth, it's often mentioned in uh, uh, in well science fiction. Cool. I was was not aware of that. Thank you, Bob. All right. Well, we're going to continue on with a little bit more of Dennis McCarthy's score to the Emissary. Um, we'll be back in just a little bit.
with a little bit of music from the episode Emissary. We'll continue on that with just a minute. But I just want to say this. If you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I'm on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, where this show will show up in about two hours' time. And, uh, yeah, I'm also available on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type devices. And I can also be found on Apple Music as well. So just a little reminder that the Kitchener Waterloo Symphony Orchestra presenting a spellbinding performance of the magical world of Harry Potter. If you tuned in last week, you would have caught a little bit of that uh, music there anyway. So this will be a variety, a varied section rather, of uh, the legendary John Williams music that brought all eight films to life. This will be February 17th and 18th at 8 p.m. For tickets, visit uh, visit kwsymphony.ca.
begin with music from the premiere episode of Deep Space Nine. That's The Emissary, music by Dennis McCarthy. So joining me this week on the show is Trexpert, and hasn't been on the show for a while, um, Bob Pearson. Bob, it's it's great to have you on the show this week. So um, we're going to talk about a, one of my favorite episodes of the series, but we'll just we'll get to that in just a second. If you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, Visions in sound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visions and sound. I am on the Twitter at visions sound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. I am also available on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type devices, and Apple Music and other such podcatchers on the web. They didn't even call that anymore. In any case, welcome back to the show as this week we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of Deep Space Nine. Now I'm going to take a bit of a departure and we're going to focus on one episode. Now I consider this the best Deep Space Nine episode, if not the best Star Trek episode ever. Um, that is, I'm, that is saying a lot considering that Star Trek has had many great episodes. And I'm speaking of the episode, The Visitor. Jake Sisko, now an old man, is living alone in a house in the bayou. He gets an unexpected visit from Melanie, an aspiring author, writer rather, and considers Jake her favorite author. Surprised that he's only published two works at the age of 40, Jake simply stopped writing, and Melanie wants to know why. Jake then tells the story how his father died in an accident on the Defiant. Ben and Jake went to see a wormhole undergo a subspace inversion, which only happens every couple of decades. Something goes terribly wrong, and the warp core is about to breach, when Sisko is hit by a beam and disappears. Jake, thinking his father is dead, is surprised when his father reappears as he starts his quest to bring and, and rather he starts his quest to bring his father back. This for me, this October 1995 episode shows just how good. Star Trek can be very character driven with really no base battles to speak of. And this episode speaks to me. Uh, sometimes holding on to things and not getting on with your life can be damaging. The story always hits me on an emotional level. And Dennis McCarthy's score is heartbreaking as we follow Jake. Bob, I know that um, there's a, bit of history you're i actually got the the script from the show from you yes yes and so what is your take on the visitor oh uh, you know every time i see it there's always something else that jumps out it's just such a layered script but you know uh, uh yeah i mean uh so when when i found the chance to be able to i, I even get where exactly i bought it online but when i got a chance to get that and a few other things it's like snap it up yoink yep no it's a fantastic episode and of course like i said dennis mccarthy's score is in there as well now the great thing about this is that there uh, a suite of the score was released on the best of star trek 30th anniversary uh, CD in 1996 on the GNP Crescendo label. So here is a suite of this music from The Visitor. Mm. Mm. 
to this day, I cannot get through this episode without tearing up. Oh. Nope. That's not what I wanted to play. <laughs> By no means. That's that's the next series. That's another series coming. Anyway, the um uh, episode uh, the episode uh, uh, the visitor is like I said, just one of those heart wrenching episodes that just absolutely like just devastates me every time I every time I every time I watch it, and especially that that line um you know when he's you know, holding Jake and Jake's going, are you okay, dad? And I am now. And it's like, yeah, just, just for me, that's, that's, that's just a, just a heart wrenching episode. But at the same time, it is so well written and so well done and so well scored. So good on you, Dennis McCarthy. Anyway, welcome back to visions and sound is this week. We are celebrating the 30th anniversary of Star Trek deep space nine. Now, while there were many composers who worked on DS9, Jay Chataway, John Debney, David Bell, Paul, and Paul Berlergeron were all other composers who worked and were also very prominent on the series. So we're going to continue on with a few more episodes in regards to them. And uh, we'll continue on uh, with, like I said, more music from the show. And um, we'll come back and we'll talk some more track after this.
bit of music from various episodes of Deep Space Nine. It's off a particularly interesting release from La La Land Records that came out a couple of years ago with the music of Deep Space Nine. It includes several of the episodes, um, but these um, particular episodes are what they call the new recruits. So a lot of these episodes are, you know, Jay Chataway, John Debney, David Bell, and Paul Belergeron. The fantastic music off of these uh, off of these particular um, episodes. So, with that in mind, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. And I'm also available on Good Pods and the various other type podcasts. Cod, try that again. Podcast places. I don't know. For some reason, Codcasts was coming out. Fish, fish kind of. Yeah, I know. Bob, you're, you're, you're looking at me like, oh, fish, fish kind of, uh, fish kind of casts. Anyway, I'm not even going to get into, get into casting a net or casting a line. Anyway, regardless of that, Bob, um, <laughs> Thanks for thanks for being on the the show tonight. I'm not wrapping things up, but I just wanted to to kind of bring you into the conversation. Um, your feelings um, when Worf came on to the uh, to the to the show? Oh, um, initially when I heard he was going to be on the show, I was kind of like, oh, I was almost thinking, okay, they're doing a jump the shark thing because they have to, you know, they're, they're trying to see if they can boost their ratings by bringing in another next gen cast member. Yeah. But very quickly they did some really good episodes that just had you go, okay, that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I agree. I was a bit skeptical of them bringing uh, Michael Dorn onto the show, but the fact that, that they did and they, and they felt, um, Confident enough to keep to to give him the stories they gave him, I think I think was 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 great. Well, I think I think the the episode that won me over that said they did the right thing was where literally, and this is probably one of those episodes where oh, we need to save money because we spent it on the special effects for the last few episodes. Uh, was uh, Worf was on trial because he blew up a ship. Yep. And that is probably, you know, one of the best episodes of the series. I would agree. I mean, other than the, the one we one we talked about earlier. I did say one of. <laughs> In any case, we're going to continue on with uh, some more music from the uh, the television series, of course, Deep Space mm. Nine as we are celebrating the 30th anniversary. But before I do that, the Kitchener Waterloo Symphony presents a spellbinding performance of the magical world of Harry Potter. Now, we played some of that music last week. A varied mm. section selection, rather, of the from the legendary John Williams, who just actually mm. turned 91 just recently. Uh, mm. Music that, bo- that brought all eight films to life, February 17th and 18th, next weekend, folks. And visit kwsymphony.ca for more information. All right, well, we are going to continue on with some more music from Deep Space Nine as we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the show. We'll be back in just a little bit to kind of wrap up the show, but enjoy the music and we'll be back. Mm-hmm. 
with a little bit of music from the television series Deep Space Nine. That's music by a variable, a very veritable plethora of composers, but Jay Chataway, John Debney, and a slew of others. Well, that's all for us this week. Thanks for hanging in, those that did. Deep Space Nine ended with probably the strongest 10-episode arc of any of the Star Trek series. And for those that wanted more, references showed up in Star Trek Picard and the documentary What We Left Behind. If you haven't seen that, definitely check it out. So as we continue into 2023, I hope as you're getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anyone tell you any different. If you're ever not feeling right, there are people out there that care about you and are willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. I know from personal experience how hard it can be for me to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one's listening. I never made it, never would have made it this far without the huge support of a team of people behind me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of an emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, the Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868, 1-844-HERE-247 and here247.ca all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. Bob, I just want to say thank you for being on the show. Your, your contribution has been invaluable this evening, and it's always great to have you on the show. So thanks. Thank you. All right. Well, join me next week as we continue into 2023 as we look at the Jack Ryan Chronicles. I'll end off this week's show with some music from, more music from Deep Space Nine. Oddly enough, from a CD single of the main title theme. I will be back next week with more Visions in Sound.